about that. That's okay. There's too many people moving and shaking around here, but you can't really keep track of who's doing what. So, um, so yeah, like I said, um, I'm, I'm just going to go through for everything in this room is audio and video recorded, first right. off. Are you okay, okay with that? Oh, yes. Okay. So I just want to go through, like I said, a couple formalities, cover a few little things off, things that I have to do on my end that I, I, I right. need to do, and uh, things that I just want to tell you and make sure that we're all on the same page before we uh, before we get going. Okay. Okay? So, first off, um, today is Wednesday, October the 5th, 2016, and on my phone right now, I'll just use that as a, a time reference, it's 514. Okay. So 1714, we'll just use that as a start time of our conversation here today. Um, Again, my name is Nathan Hergock with the Woodstock Police Service. I currently work in our crime unit. Okay. And uh, we met a short time ago in downtown Toronto, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, we came to a facility where you've spent the last uh, few weeks, from what I understand. Yeah. And uh, we met with Dr. Khan and, yes. and his team of uh, associates. Yeah. And I believe you're under his care for the last little while, correct? Yeah, for the last three weeks. Okay. And uh, the process, how, how we got here basically is... Um, kind of offered you a ride back and, and so we could have this conversation and, and you gracefully accepted and uh, off we went down uh, the 401 or the, well, the, the gardener, the QW yeah. and, and the 403 and, and, and here we are, right? Um, so just to make it clear for whoever might watch this in the future, um, we didn't force you to come with us, we didn't uh, you know shove you in the car and off we went kind of thing, you did it yeah. on your own free will and, and you accepted it on your own uh, on your own decision making, yes, is that no, correct? Yes, okay. I had a nap and he even let me try to give money to the homeless people. But. There you go, I remember all that. I remember all that. So I, I know I read you a few things before um, as we were kind of just cruising down Spadina there. Um, and I know you've been read this many times, but it's just things that we need to just reiterate and, and make sure that you're clear and comfortable with, okay. with having this conversation today. Okay. Okay. Um, like I said, um, based on our investigation, there could be some some pretty serious criminal charges that result of, yeah. of our investigation. Okay. Yeah. So having said that, if if you wish to speak to a lawyer at any time, okay. I don't want you to hesitate. We can make it happen whenever you like. So okay. whether it's now, five minutes from now, an hour from now, or three days from now, whatever the case may be, we're not going to be asking questions for three days, are we? I hope not. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I'm, just, I'm just saying that any time that you want to speak to a lawyer, that you're kind of in our company or whatever the case may be, you let us know and, and we can make that accommodation for okay. you. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. Okay, because you, in your position uh, as a Canadian citizen, you're, uh, you're entitled to have free legal advice from a legal aid, okay. uh, duty counsel lawyer, a lawyer of your choice, whoever you like. Okay. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like I said, because there could be some criminal charges that the result of our investigation. Right. Okay. Um, also, and I know you've been read this many times before, that you may be charged uh, with many criminal offenses, um, and you don't have to say anything in answer to the charges that you face. But if you wish to do so, um, we're going to do that today. Um, but whatever you do say could be used in, in court. And I know we had that conversation in the car on the way. On the yeah. way uh, back to Woodstock, yeah. and I asked you to repeat it in your own words, and you kind of gave us a few uh, a few of, of describing it in your own vocabulary, as you said something like, it's not Vegas, what happens in the car on the way back doesn't necessarily stay in the car, right? Yeah. So okay. same thing same thing in this room, anything that you okay. say and everything that we talked about should be used as evidence at court, yeah. okay? Okay. So kind of, to put it easily, the same rules apply, okay? okay? 
Um, and if you've spoken to any other police officers, I know that you've dealt with uh, the Toronto police Toronto, officers. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a couple officers in the car on our, on our trip back here. Um, if anyone's persuaded you or tried to push you into making a statement, whatever they said, I don't want that to influence no. you in any way. Okay. Well, what I'm about to say, I'm giving up my own free will. Okay. All right. And I appreciate that. Um, and we'll get moving forward. For another few things, and I know that we said this in the car, you are not under arrest right now. Okay. Okay, I want to make that very clear to you. Okay. Okay, you're not under arrest. The door is unlocked. Okay, I'm not impeding your way to the door. If you want to leave at any time, if you want to stop talking to me at any time, you just let me know. And, okay. uh, and we'll just carry on from there. Okay. Okay, but you're not being held here against your will. Uh, we're not yeah. forcing you to speak to us. Um, we just have some follow-up, some uh, some follow-up questions from the investigation that kind of okay. got going while you were in Toronto. Yeah, being interviewed is hard because it takes so long. It does. Um, so I'll do my best. Like if, like I said, if I have to get up and pace around a bit or whatever. If you want to take a break at any time, you let us know. If you want to get up and pace around, I'll just kind of hang tight here and yeah. and we'll just keep conversing as long as uh, as long as you're comfortable. I'll I'll go as long as I can. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, that's kind of all the formalities, but, but like I said, those are the, the things that I just wanted to make sure that were, were clear to you. And if you have any questions for me before we get started, <coughs> the floor is yours. Is there no. anything or any concerns that you have? No, I just, I want to get through this and find out what happened to my mom and dad, because I know they're upset because someone went to visit them today. Okay. And they visited them today, and they said, you know, they're here, we're concerned, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine that, and I honestly don't have those answers for you, okay. but I can get them for you. Um, okay. My role in this investigation so far has been not as in-depth as some of the other officers, um, okay. but my, my task today obviously was to travel to Toronto and, and meet with you with, with my fellow co-workers yeah. and, uh, and come back here and, and have a conversation, so that's kind of where, where I'm at right now. But I can definitely get those okay. answers for you, and, and I don't want to upset any more people that need to be, uh, especially your mom and dad. Yeah. Okay. You should have bought blue, blue tickets when you were there. You know what? If I could afford them for the playoffs, I probably would have. Yeah, that was exciting last night. Um, so just just for the record, and I know you, you prefer to go by Beth is what you told yeah. us, is that correct? Yeah. Can you just state your full name for me? Elizabeth Tracy May Wettwalfer. Tracy May? Yeah. Okay, and just spell your last name for the record. W-E-T-T-L-A-U-F-E-R. Perfect. Um, and Beth, the reason why we're here today is because uh, we've received some information uh, back at the end of last week um, with regards to um, some information that was provided to the Toronto Police Service, mm -hmm. um, which has led us into uh, quite a bit of work and, and leads us here today to speak to you with regards to kind of how this all started and, and yeah. follow up. But basically, um, I've, I've watched your statement that you provided to Toronto. Okay. Okay. And we've been provided uh, this document here. Does that look familiar to yeah, you? Yes, okay. All right. And from what I can see here, there's four pages of a uh, handwritten document. Is that your handwriting? Yes, it is. Okay. And it just kind of goes through um, some people that you've encountered in, in your career uh, from 2007 through to 2016 of August. Yeah. Uh, August of 2016. Okay. So, so that's kind of the the focus of our investigation right now is right. the information that you you put on these four pieces of paper. Yes. Okay. Um, 
But but before we get into that, I just want to kind of get an idea of your career and, and where you've kind of where you've been in your career and um, kind of how you got into things and registered nurse. I started from call. I started from with from uh, here in Park uh, Secondary School. I um, <coughs> I graduated grade thirteen. One free year of law school. Not law school, sorry, journalism school. Okay. And uh, then uh, went to uh, Bible College, yeah. London Baptist Bible College in London. Graduated with a degree in uh, counseling, with a bachelor's degree in counseling. And then um, discovered that that's not going to be, wasn't really going to get me a lot as far as work wise and career wise. and. So I went back to uh, here in Park High School for a year, and I took a year of math and sciences and went on to um, Conestoga College. And in, in, uh, they have it's in Kitchener, but they have Stratford campus. So I went there for the three years. Okay. And then when I graduated there, I worked in a place called Geraldton. Okay. Which is 16 hours north of of uh, Toronto. Quite a bit north, isn't it? Three hours north of Thunder Bay. Yeah, that's way up there. Yeah. Um, worked there, couldn't stand the isolation, moved back. Worked for um, an organization called uh, Christian Horizons here in town in one of their group homes till 2007, um, at which time um, my marriage fell apart in February 2007. and. Uh, I met a woman online, and she decided to move to be with me. So um, I ended up quitting the job I was at and going to Crescent Care to make a little bit more money because I was the only pregnant earner. So I started working at Crescent Care, um, I believe it was June 2007. And how long did you work there for? Until... As a registered nurse, yeah. and registered nurses' role is always the same. Yeah. But um, I worked in different areas of the home. Okay. There's five wings to correctly care, so I worked in different areas. Right. Okay. All throughout the, the seven or so years that you were there. Yes. Okay. And at that point, did you have different supervisors from unit to unit, or no? There was the same person, or there was one supervisor. Helen Crombie, she was the head nurse. Okay. And then there was like people under her, um, Shelly, uh, Jeanette, um, I don't remember the rest of them. And then there was like a, an administrative head, and I think for most of that time it was Brenda. Right. Okay. Um, and then from Crest Care, I know you've, you've had a few other... Yeah, I went from Crescent and Care Fired from Crescent Care. Okay. For a medication area era. Okay. Error. Er, yeah. Then from there I went to uh, Meadow Park Nursing Home. Okay. And uh, left there to get help with an um, addiction issue. Okay. 
hoping that it would get help with that as well. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back, I started working again in January. I left I left Meadow Park in uh, September of 2014, and I started working for a um, nursing agency called uh, Lifeguard in 2015, and I worked with them for over a year, and then in July 2016, I started working for St. Elizabeth's Healthcare. As well, I was still working for um, Lifeguard. Oh, okay. And how did that work? Did you just split your time between the two, Um, or was it just kind of a part-time position at both organizations? St. Elizabeth was my priority. Okay. So, and Lifeguard is very much, you pick up the shifts as they come. There's very few scheduled shifts, so I can say the yes and no to them and and focus on St. Elizabeth. And were were those roles where you would do, like, in-home care with different Um, clients? With uh, Lifeguard, it's an agency, so you go into nursing homes, you go into people's homes, you go into, um, you go into, uh, like, retirement homes, um... We did a lot of different things, a lot of one-on-ones with people, mm-hmm. like in their own homes, mm-hmm. 12-hour shifts, 8-hour shifts, okay. sitting with them. Okay. A lot of stuff I did was sitting with palliative patients. Right. Okay. That would be tough. I, hey, it was okay. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. I knew they were going to die. Yeah. And it was just an opportunity to give the family a rest. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, it's an important role. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't see it that way. and and even notice the care that these people are giving from people like yourself, right? Um, yeah. You would give the families a bit of a break and, and take, take, take that role as, as important, which a lot of people don't see, right? Because so. when, some, when someone's dying in the house, mm-hmm. families don't want everyone to be asleep at once, right? And that can that's be right. very hard if you're not able to do that. That's right. But if you have a nurse there that says, no, it's okay, I've got this, I know the medications I get, it's going to be all right, then... Everyone kind of rest easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, back at Meadow Park, what, were you, what was your addiction? Uh, hydromorphs. Okay. All right. Hydromorphs. Okay. And what, like, how much were you using? I was a binge user, so okay. I would use what I could get a hold of. Okay. By stealing it from the patient. Okay. All right. And how would that work? Like, would, it, would it just be in their, in their allotted medications, or would you have access to a card to, um, to feed your dinner? There are some of their allotted medications. Some of them had um, confusion, so they couldn't tell the difference between what pills you were giving them, so I'd give them a lot to do instead of their hydromorphs. Okay. Um, there was uh, a lot of them had as needed, so it would be in a big card, mm-hmm. and then they'd say, I would just punch out that, oh, Barney needed two of those today, and oh, Billy needed three of those today when they really didn't. Okay. And that's how I would get a hold of it. Okay. Every once in a while, there was also a um, drug, bu- dr- big drug uh, holder, like a safe almost, that we would put the drugs in. Okay. Once, uh, like, if somebody died, yep. and there were, like, 23 hydromorphs left, we'd slide the whole card into the drug holder. Well, if you picked it up and turned it upside down and shook it, you'd get drugs back out of it. Okay. Uh, so. so you had your weight? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and was that ever an issue with 
issue with, with Dadler? Were you ever confronted or, or did, would, did that go totally undetected for the, the time you were there? There was a time when um, Hydromorph was delivered to the home and it didn't get put away right away by the person who should have. And so I took the Hydromorph and put it in my bag and took it home. And it wasn't discovered for months. And uh, so I just played down when the police told me about it, I played down. Yeah. And that was that? Yeah. Okay. So as a binge user then, like how much would you would you be using on a, I mean obviously you wouldn't use it on a daily basis if you're, if you're binge yeah. using, but like how long did the addiction last for? Oh, the addiction lasted from, I think it started in 2008. Okay. So to 2000. Fourteen, at which time I went away and got treatment at a treatment center. Okay. But then uh, I started using again, probably since January 2015, I started using again. Okay. And are you still using when you get your hands on them? Or? No. Oh. No. I'm, uh, I'm going to stop using alcohol as well. I'm going to, I have friends in AA and I'm, I've got a very clear plan. If, if I'm able to be out and about, right. I have a very, very clear plan. And I also know if I'm not able to be out and about, that AA and Narcotics Anonymous do have some programs where they come into prison. Absolutely. So, yeah. that's my plan. Well, that's, that's good that you have a plan. Um, what, do you think, what do you think the reason is that you slipped into the addiction back in the week? Is it just the stresses of the job that you were facing? Yeah. Or dealing yeah, with just your personal life as well? And just always feeling like I had to be the best possible person and very, very stressful job, giving medications to 32 people, um, making sure treatments were done on 32 people, charging for 32 people, supervising four PSWs who sometimes didn't always get along and sometimes always didn't always get along with me. Um, it's a hard job. Any nurse will say it's a hard job. I believe it 100%. And uh, then they would add different things like, oh, you have to do this and that to say who's here and counting the medications at the end of the shift. And it was a hard job. And, and I, I just, I always was putting this pressure on myself to be a really good nurse and to do everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, when I could get a hold of a hydromark or two and take it, then that pressure was gone. Right. And, um, the treatment center that you went away to, where was that? I cannot remember. Okay. I've tried to try to remember. Yeah. Um, was it local or? No, it was a, it was out of town. It was like two, a good two hour drive. Okay. You know where the locks are? Yeah. Near Niagara Falls. Welland. Yeah. It's a little town outside of Welland. Okay. And it, they have a, it's an 18 day treatment that they have, and I, I was successful, I went through the whole thing. Nice. So all 18 days? Yes. Okay. And it helped? Yes. Yes. What about family? You are born and raised in Woodstock? Yeah, born and raised in Woodstock, uh, married from, 2000 and, er, from 97 to 2007. Okay. We broke up February um, 2007. No children. I wanted them, he never did. My mom and dad are in their 70s, 75 and 76. I have cousins all over the area. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, my brother and his wife and four kids, they live in uh, and they're, um, well, they're, they're quite active. The oldest one is 26, and he's got a, a wife and two kids. He lives with his parents. They all live with the parents, except for my... Oh, is that right? Yeah, just one big yeah. house of crazy. Can they family, huh? Have you been out to visit at all, been out east, or...? Um, I've been to see their house once. Yeah. They've been here a few times. Nice. They came in 2013 for my parents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary. Nice. And um, my nephew and his wife stayed behind and lived with my parents for a few months while my nephew tried to go to Bible college. Okay. But he wasn't successful, so they went back. Yeah. So your brother older or younger than you? Older. Older. He's three years older than me. Okay. He's 52. So as far as your latest position at um, St. Elizabeth, yeah. that was your last position as a RN, is that yes, correct? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes. And you said you resigned from there? Yes. Okay. What, what brought you to that? That's, that, that's where things get a little crazy. Okay. This is part that I haven't told the doctors. Okay. Because um, it seems so stupid now. When my ex and I broke up in 2007, I was already taking the medication for my my borderline personality disorder. And I was so angry. And it was like a voice said inside me, I'll use you, don't worry about it. And the different times that I have caused people's deaths or caused them discomfort through the... Um, through the influence. I believe it was the influence of that voice or whatever it was. It wasn't a voice in my head, it was a voice in here. And when I would do it afterwards, I would hear like a laughter in my chest. So, started working for St. Elizabeth, and I was doing well, but it was a lot of pressure. And the way that, you know, that I've helped people to die has been through insulin. And uh, after my first, my 30-day evaluation, my uh, my uh, supervisor came to me and said, you know, I'm really sorry. We want you for Woodstock, but we have so many kids in schools in Ingersoll that need help with their insulin pumps that you're going to start working in Ingersoll. Okay. And I panicked. I panicked. I didn't want to do that. Because I felt, you know, what if? Those are kids. So about, I think it was about a week after that that I quit. Yeah. And then I uh, packed my stuff in the car, and I drove two days into I drove into Quebec, thinking like I would just sort of run away sort of thing. And then I thought, no, that's just stupid. So I came back, and. Uh, I was going to tell my parents what was going on, but they had visitors from Scotland. So I didn't tell them. I just, <laughs> sorry, spent two weeks pretending to go to work. Okay. <laughs> While the visitors from right. Scotland were here. Right. It's funny, but it's not funny. <laughs> and then um, 
once they left, I, did, I decided I didn't want to nurse anymore. I didn't want to hurt anybody anymore. So I also quit my other job. And then I decided, um, well, whatever Friday that was, that, like, I did a lot of looking into how I could get help, because I realized I needed help with whatever this was. Because part of me had started to believe that it was the devil, and part of me thought it might be God as a purpose in my life. And uh, I know the doctor asked me those questions, but I didn't answer them because I was so ashamed. But I just, uh, I didn't want this to keep going on, so I quit both jobs. Looked into where I could get help. Dr. Fernando is my uh, psychiatrist, and he's not a very nice man. So I went on an online uh, support group and was talking on to people on there, and they were saying, you know, get some help. So then I started researching some uh, psych boards and stuff, and I saw CAMH, and they are the only... Um, mental health facility in Ontario that has an emergency department. Okay. So I made a decision and I went I went there one Friday morning, I took the train and off I went. And before I went I told um two I told three people what was going on. My uh, friend from AA okay. and um my uh, friend uh I told them what was going on, they said, yes, go and get help. And my friend drove me to the train station. And and when you say you told them what was going on, did you get into details I, of why you were going to that, seek help? Or? I told them that I had been killing people using an insulin drug. And they all said, yes, you better go get help. So off I went. Okay. And? She's a friend from uh, when I used to work at... Because then, here's eight families, 
They thought that their family member died peacefully and normally, and they didn't. And what's that going to do to those families? And even up to uh, going to the going to the hospital, I decided I was just going to give the first names. And uh, my cousin said, "Listen, they know what years you work there. If you don't tell them the exact names, they're going to go in there and go over every single file, and that's going to be even worse for the families there." So that she was the one to give me that advice to give the names. And as far as you know, have these people reached out to any of police agencies where they may reside to, to notify that you told them this? Or no. Did you tell them in, in kind of confidence? And, and I told them in confidence and they said they promised me they wouldn't tell anyone. Okay. But basically the, the implying was if I didn't get help, right. then they'd be on the phone the next day. Okay. I got you. So did you tell them basically then on I told them the like, Thursday? I told them the night before I went. Okay. So yeah. Thursday night? Yeah. And then you took off Friday morning? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's Basically, what they said was, you know, if you haven't gotten help Friday, then we're calling the police. We love you, but we're calling the police. It's probably felt that they had an obligation, right? Yes, yeah. Maybe a moral obligation or whatever they saw, right? Yeah. What medications are you on right now? I'm taking um, Fluvoxamine. It's called Fluvox, 200 milligrams. It's uh, anti-obsessional and an anti depressant. Okay. I'm taking 300 milligrams of Seroquel, which is um, an antipsychotic, okay. and they upped that when I was at KMH, okay. which has really helped clear my thinking. Good. And then I'm taking a couple of blood pressure medications, and then I've got some loxapine for when I get really agitated. Okay. And when we left the hospital, you had taken, I believe, some Ativan, is that right? I took two milligrams of Ativan when we left the hospital, right. which okay. was, you guys noted the time, 1.30 yeah. or something That's like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, and I've had nothing since. Okay. And I know that the doctor, uh, Dr. Con provided with, with a prescription that... Yeah. And he up. also gave me two loxapines. Yeah. And was very strict. I am not to take them until all the interviews are over, okay. because they will start to interfere with my thinking. And then that's the end of Yeah, exactly. And do you feel that you're of a, a clear sound mind right now? Yes, I do. Conversing with me in this in this room? Yeah. Okay. And, and everything that you're telling me is, is the truth and the best that you can remember? Yes. Yeah. I can appreciate where you're coming from as far as the work that you, you went through. Um, obviously, I've never been a nurse, and I've never worked in, in the profession that you that you did. But I could imagine how overwhelming it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, having a lot of responsibility, uh, maybe not having the support of, of the administration or your, or your supervisors. You know, just kind of go out and get it done, right? Yeah. And uh, and that could be. I could see how that would be stressful, and I could see how that would drive you maybe into your addiction and into other things. But um, I want to just go over this document, if that's okay, okay with you. Yeah. Okay, would you be willing to do that with me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, you do your thing. Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. Absolutely not. This is pretty, excuse me, major. I've only ever had parking tickets. I've never been arrested for anything. Well, like I said, you're not under arrest right oh, now, I know. but it is, uh, it is a very significant investigation here, right? I understand. And like I said before, Beth, I, I do appreciate you uh, speaking with us and, imagine that 
and uh, does it feel like a weight off your shoulders? Yes. So yes you've been yes. carrying a burden for quite some time. And I've tried to get help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it takes a few attempts to to finally commit to it, right? Yeah. I had a pastor that I told me, prayed over me, and told me I'd be fine, and that was God's grace. And then. When was that? That was uh, Halloween, 2013. And you, you kind of divulged to what had happened to your to you uh, to that point in your life with yeah. involving these people. Yeah. Okay. And where was that? That was here in town. Okay. Okay. Do you want his name? If you want to tell me, it's up to you. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't. Did I just say 2014? Okay. Okay. So, so be, before we get into this, um, I know that there's a statement which we have and that I've watched where you attended the police station in Toronto at the yes. 52 Division, is that correct? Yes, that's okay. correct. And I honestly, I think it was Detective Hamilton and I honestly can't remember the other detective's name, but now I know it started with an A, um, and you met with them for, uh, hour I was going to say about an hour and a half. That was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, you had in your possession um, a photocopy of this document, yeah, right? Okay. And you went through and you read it out. Yes. Okay. And then following that, they started uh, with the first name on the list, and they wanted to just try and get a little bit more detail of yeah. of, of the involvement in each circumstance, okay. each death, right? Okay. That's what I'd like to do today, and just get some more detail. Okay. Okay. So. It's a long list. It is. It is, but I think that you and I, I think we can get through it together. Yeah, I'm sure we can. As long as you're patient with me. I'm, I've got all the time to look. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. Because I'm physically comfortable. It's a nice chair, but... Yeah. Well, anytime enough. you need to get up and wander around, if you, like I said, if you want to take a break and uh, have me leave and just kind of stretch your legs and whatever the case may be, you go ahead. Okay. okay. If you have to use your washroom at any time, just let me know. All right. Okay? Because like I said, I'm, I'm here as, as long as we need to be. Okay. Okay, and I'm not pressuring you to uh, to stay any longer than you want to, but I think that uh, I think if we just kind of sit down and go through this, like I said, we'll get through it together. Yes. I'm uh, I'm a pretty patient person, and I'm here to just listen to what you have to tell me. Okay. Okay. Okay, and like I said, I I appreciate it. Okay. So, um, how about we just do this together? I'll just bring this over okay. here. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So I'm not going to have you read through this entire document because I've already ha you already did that, right? I have written it. I have read it. I have you know lived it. So yeah, absolutely. So Mr. Silcox. Yes. Okay, September of 2007. Yeah. Okay. He's the first one that died as a result of what I did. Okay. And and before you get into that, you have signed some kind of page numbers, all that kind of stuff on yes. these documents. So we'll just go in order of, of how you've written it. Okay. And I know that the detectives in uh, in Toronto kind of had this in their possession and just kind of got you to recall some things. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to keep it here because, I mean, you've already written this out. So yeah. what's on here is we already know that. Um, I just have some follow-up questions okay. just with regards to each circumstance. So Mr. Silcox, um, it says here you were working at double shift uh, from 3 to 7, right? 3 p.m. to 7 a.m. Right. Okay. And this was at Crescent Care. Yes. Okay, in Woodstock. Yes. Okay. And tell me about your, your knowledge of, of James and, 
actions during your shift with him? Um, I didn't see him every time. He wasn't always my patient. I just knew from what uh, people had said that he would grab the, the nurse's uh, breasts and buttocks and he would say horribly inappropriate things about his wife that now he was there, you know, um, he was going to fuck all of us. She was going to fuck all of us, Doc. And just would say inappropriate things. And he did touch me inappropriately once. And where was that? On, on your breasts. Body? On your breasts, okay. And were you alone in the room at that point? Yes. Yeah. Did he have a roommate at all? Did you have a roommate? I, he must have. He wasn't in the same room. So he was either in a double room or a quadruple room. Would you remember any other residents that would be roomed with him at that time? Or? No. No. Okay. no. That's okay. Um, what portion of the home was, was James in at this point? He was in the okay, there's an east wing, south wing, north wing. He was in the north wing, mm -hmm. so halfway down, and he was either in a double bed or a quadruple bed. And um, the the diagnosis of of his health at the, at the time you were caring for him, do you remember? He was post hip surgery and he had dementia. Do you remember how old he was approximately? No, I don't. I didn't see his eighties. In his eighties. Yeah. Okay. And sorry, he was not a diabetic. Not a diabetic. And sorry, you said he had dementia. Yeah. Okay, which you've also noted here as well, right? Yes. Okay. So tell me about the night. Uh, was this the first person that you did this to? That I that I tried. Well, there were other people that I'd done it to who didn't die. Prior to James. Prior to James. Okay, and are he's they documented on here. He's the first one who died. Right. Back uh, here. But there's some other people who didn't die. Right. So I can't read that first name. Clotilde Adriana. Okay, so that was. I mean, they're both September oh, 2007, but that was yeah. before James. Yeah. Okay. So. Was this your first attempt at, at overdosing these people on insulin? Yes, Clotilda was. Clotilda. And I didn't really want her to die. I just, I don't know, I was just angry and um, had this sense inside me that she might be a person that God wanted back with them. Okay. And is that that feeling you're referring to that you had in your stomach sometimes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that is that the point? And I hate to get off to a topic here, but the point where you had these feelings in your stomach and almost that laughter after it happened. Yeah. Is that the part that you didn't tell Dr. Khan? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to be clear on that. I told him about the laughter in my stomach, but not the feeling that this might be the person that God wants. Okay. Okay. Because I just found it so stupid. It's your feelings, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly felt like God wanted to use me. And he kept, Dr. Khan kept asking me, do you think God chose me for a special purpose? I kept saying no, because that did not sound like a special purpose, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I just had a sense after my marriage broke up that God was going to use me for something. And then after a while, I started to really wonder after some of the murders, if it was God or if it was the devil fooling me. Did you feel like you were doing the right thing for these people? No. No. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't what was right for them. Um, so, James, then, um, it was an evening that this one took place, right? Yeah. Um, it says here at about 9.30. Yeah. Run me through... About 9.30, I gave him a dose of uh, 50 milligrams of insulin. He's not, not diabetic. So I went into it. I used a borrowed insulin pen, borrowed insulin. 
and gave him an insulin shot. And at 3.30, the PSO, well, throughout the night he was yelling out, I love you and I'm sorry. And not, to, not to me, but just you could hear him calling out in his room, and that's what he was calling out. Mm-hmm. And then at 3.30, the uh, PSWs came to me and said that he was gone. So I did what we're supposed to do. I went and listened to his heart and chest, called the doctor, called the family because that's what they wanted. Family came in and sat with them for a while. Doctor came in and uh, said that his cause of death was from um, an embolism due to his uh, post hip. He'd had a he'd had hip surgery. Doctor ruled that embolism due to post hip surgery. Um, who do you think he was talking to when he was yelling, I love you? I thought it might be his, his family. Okay. I really did. And when they came in and talked to me, they wanted to know if he'd said anything. So I told them that I was so ashamed. Yeah. So ashamed. Yeah. When you were speaking with the family? Yeah. And is that the uh, the family that kind of commended you for the work that you had done? And yes, and that I've been there for him. Yes. How did that make you feel? Awful. Absolutely awful. How did you deal with it? Um, I just went home and went to bed. You know, I felt awful. Maybe I fought with my girlfriend. Did some exercising, you know. Yeah. Did some games on the computer and just tried to forget about it. Did you have a, uh, have a problem sleeping that night at all or anything like um, that, or did you? Well, I was working nights, so I was... Um, you during the day then? Um, I would say I tossed and turned a bit, yeah. Felt pretty bad. And I didn't want to see the family again. So I tried to make sure I wasn't working when they came to pick up his stuff and I wasn't. And what room? Do you remember the like a room number or just like you no, said? No, it was down in our phone. The wing. Yeah. Okay. When you and where did you get the insulin from for James, for Mr. Stilcox? You said you had taken some insulin. Um, where was, did you get those? The insulin was kept in a fridge in the medication room. We had two medication rooms. And so it was kept in the fridge in the medication room. And uh, extra pens were kept in the drawer. So you could just say somebody you had someone admitted and you needed a pen in a hurry. So you just put the insulin in the pen and, and put the needle on and dial up the dose and give it. And how was that documented to know that, so that Crescent Care would know that you were taking that insulin? They didn't keep track of insulin. So it was just uh, something that was available for the nurses' use when they knew that it was appropriate for the certain patients. Yes. Now each patient has their own insulin. Right. And maybe somebody noticed, somebody may have noticed that a lot of insulin was missing if a lot was used, but I was always careful to use different people. Okay. Different people's insulin. Insulin, yes. Okay. All right. And Mr. Silcox, then, where, where did you inject the insulin into his body? I'm not really sure. I'm going to say his arm or his uh, torso. And did he know what was going on at that point? Not really. Was he uh, was he a verbal patient? Like, could he converse oh, yeah. with you and communicate? He didn't really converse. He did a lot of yelling out. I don't really remember him reacting when I gave it to him. So he didn't react? I, I don't remember him reacting, no. Would he maybe just think it's a, a regular portion of his day and Probably. receiving medications that he, he so required? Probably for the dementia. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else you can remember about Mr. Silcox? 
him. His wife and daughter loved him a lot. And how does that make you feel? Crappy. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, like I said, he could be a bit of a handful. But, you know, he ate and drank normally, he took his pills when you told him to. So, nothing else I can really remember about him. But this is, you know, nine years ago. So. It's a while ago. Yeah. How long after, sorry, when did you break up with your, your husband? Was I it, broke up was with it August him. August 2007? Oh, no, no. I broke up with him in the uh, end of January, beginning of February 2007. Okay. Okay, so it was quite some time until September until you actually yeah. arrived, I guess. By that time, I was in a new relationship with a woman. Okay. Who was that? Her name was Maureen. Okay. Um, did you ever disclose to her what you were doing? No, absolutely not. So you just kind of went about your thing with Mr. Silcox? Yeah. Uh, went home that day, did your kind of some exercise and computer games, went to sleep. Did you work again that next day? I don't remember. Don't remember. Do you remember who you would have been working with on that occasion? No. No? No, I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. Are you okay? Yeah. you want to get yeah. up and stretch? I just do a lot of fidgeting. Okay, that's okay. Hey, you're not bothering me. I just want to make sure that you're comfortable. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. If I need something, I'll do it. Okay. You gotcha. Do you remember who your supervisor would have been at that point? Well, that would be Helen Rombe. That was the head nurse? Yeah, she was always, like, whoever was on as the nurse was the charge nurse. Okay. So I was the charge nurse. And at night, so I, as the charge nurse from 3 to 11, I was in charge of uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 PSWs. And I was ever, yeah. And then... There was two other wings, and so at night, as a church nurse, I was responsible to look after the um, RPN on the other side, like be a resource server. Okay. There were four PSWs on that side and four PSWs on my side, so nine people. Okay. And then Mrs. Crombie, of course, she wasn't around with me. Okay. She's she, for case. Yeah. Yeah. But she's who we all, she's who we all answered to. She was. Her and the executive director, Brenda, I don't remember her last name. I'm sorry, I'm probably going to pass gas with him today. That's fine. So, as far as Mr. Silcox goes then, besides what you were feeling in your stomach, and besides that you thought that this was a purpose that you were given on from your relationship for after breaking up with your husband, right? Yeah. That you, that you, he, you indicated that he wasn't a very nice man. No, he wasn't. Did, is that a portion of um, what happened? I don't know. Okay. I wonder if that's a portion of how I chose him. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I did feel a release and a relief. Mm-hmm. Like a relief of pressure. Okay. Because throughout this document, and, and as we go through it, a lot of these people, you kind of describe them as, as not very nice people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's a tendency or a pattern that we see as far as, is that why you chose these people? Yeah, I'm not, it might be, but I also know I just felt like they were the ones. Right. I had a feeling inside that they were the ones. 
before, before you injected insulin in Mr. Silcox, was it a spur of the moment thing? Had you thought about it that, uh, when you reported for duty at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Um, I started thinking about it about 6 at night, I think. Do you remember who the pronouncing doctor would have been? No. Like how, did that, how did that process work? That process, the way it worked was a uh, person found with no vital signs. Nurse goes in with a stethoscope, mm -hmm. listens for one minute. If there's no heartbeat, no uh, lung sounds, nurse goes and calls the doctor on call. Okay. Um, there was also a sheet that we had to fill out if we thought it was a coroner's case. Mm -hmm. In this case, I don't believe we thought it was. And then um, family is called. And the doctor may wait to come in and uh, pronounce in the morning. Oh, okay. Family can come in and visit the body at any time. Okay. So then the PSWs would get the the body ready. Okay. So prior to the doctor announcing in the morning, the family could come in and yeah. spend time. Yeah. So the PSWs would just clean them up, put on uh, you know clean clean bridges and right. clean up the bed and stuff. Right. So you said. You said, Mr. Silcox, you said we didn't think it was a coroner's case. Who, who, who's it? Oh, what had that been? I guess I'm using the royal we. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> okay. So would that be just a decision that you were trusting um, to make? No, there's a there's a form okay. on the computer, and you go down through it, and if it says, if you take off anything that says yes, you notify the coroner. Okay. All right. But you would have clicked off those boxes yourself? Yes. Okay. So obviously, knowing that you had done this to Mr. Silcox, did you feel that you wouldn't click yes so that attention wouldn't be drawn to you? You know, I honestly can't remember if he was a coroner case or not. Okay. He might have been. Now, with insulin... I would, I, even though I did this to these people, when I did their... But see, it's phrased as, does anyone have a reason to believe that this death was not natural? Right. So, yeah, I would click... I wouldn't click that one. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. And I just wanted to clarify that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a question. Okay. Um. Anything else you can think about from Mr. Silcox? No. Okay. Maurice, how did you pronounce Maurice's last name? Grenat. Is it Grenat? Okay. So tell me a little bit about Maurice. It says that this occurred in September or or October of twenty. Yeah. Uh, sorry, two thousand seven. And this was at Crescent Care? Yeah. Okay, tell me a little bit yeah. about your interaction with Maurice. He was another one who liked to grab breasts and asses. Okay. He was sometimes a, a patient of mine. See, at that time, I wasn't, I didn't have a set floor that I worked on. I worked on all the different floors of the nurse, kind of filling in. Okay. So, uh, he, one afternoon I was working with him and he did grab me. And uh, again, I got that feeling inside that this is his time to go. So I gave him an overdose of insulin after supper. And uh, I believe he died the next day. And what was your shift that? Do you remember what shift it you were working at? It was 3 to 3 p.m.? Yeah, to 11 p.m. To 11 p.m. So, like so he, died, he died when I wasn't there. Okay. And he was known for. It says you're grabbing the staff's breasts and asses. Yes. Okay. And do you remember who you would have been working with at that point? No. Okay. Do you remember um, where Maurice was within Crescent Care? 
Yeah, he was down in the north wing. I think he was in a, in a double room on the right-hand side. Yeah. Do you remember who his roommates were then at all? No, I don't. But I do remember that when he started going downhill after the insulin overdose, they moved him to the palliative care room right by the uh, nurse's desk. And at what point of the day do you think that you, sorry, I think you said this already, but just to confirm, what, what time of the day do you think it was when you had injected him? When I injected him? Um, it was afternoon, beginning of 4.30, 5.30. Okay. Right. Um, and what was his reaction to receiving the insulin? Again, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. And it says, the doctor wants you to have vitamin shots. That's what I usually say. And was he able to communicate? Was he verbal? He was verbal. Could converse? Not totally, but he could say something, yeah. Okay. Right. And did he question his vitamin shot at all? No. Okay. Um, and he passed away the next day? Yeah. Okay. So, being that you weren't there when he had passed away, you wouldn't have been the one checking the boxes. That's right. So, you know... By chance, what nurse would have been responsible for uh, Mr. Burnett? No, I don't. No? No. Okay. Did you ever have any concerns that he didn't pass away while you were working and that, you know, the sister may arrive? No, I know I didn't. I, well, yes, I did a little bit. I always wondered if they'd find the site where I gave the shot and something, you know, they'd, there'd be an investigation. I always wondered that. Right. Not, no. And even though it, it, it passed through your mind, did you just and continued just, on about your duties? Yep. Okay. And do you remember what part of the body he would have been injected in? Oh, maybe the leg. Because at that point he didn't have a lot of body fat. So. Maurice didn't know? He didn't know. And when you get a, a subcutaneous injection, it goes in to the body fat. So. And you documented that he was a cancer patient? Yes. Okay. Do you remember what type of cancer he had? I think it was prostate. Prostate? Prostate, yes. Okay. And what was the what did the outcome uh, hold for his future as far as the, the cancer in his body? He was dying. Awesome. How old do you think Maurice was? 75, 76. Okay. I'm sorry, he was in a double room? Yeah, I believe it was a double room, yeah. Do you remember who you had been working with that day? No. Same supervisor or the charge or the head nurse? No. Sorry. I'm, That's I, okay. It's so far... It's a long know. time ago. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a significant event in your life, but it's a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So, I, I, no, I'm not, I don't, I'm not concerned that you can't remember every question that I ask you. That's, you just, if you can do the best that you can, that's all I can ask for. Okay. Okay. Um... Anything else you can remember about uh, Maurice at all? Not really, no. No. Okay. Do there you know were, if, do you know if he was a coroner's case? There were people who loved him, that's what I remember. I don't know if he was a coroner's case. Who loved Maurice? Who did you know that would he come had, visit him? He had friends that would come and visit him, that were like family too. Mm-hmm. A man and a woman, that's all I remember. And how did it make you feel when, when Maurice passed away? Not good. I just, uh, well, I wasn't there when he passed away. I, d- I didn't work that day. Do you remember if you worked the next day? 
I might have. I know when I found out that he died, I looked to see how long it took him. I get rid of the notes and stuff to see what it got. Okay. And just getting a point out to fidget with. Yeah, no problem. Whatever you need. Um, so after you found out he had passed, you kind of read through the documents? and. Yeah. Do you remember seeing anything that kind of said, oh, you know, nope. this isn't a good thing for me? or? No. Nope. Okay. So. And even if I had, I couldn't have altered them. You could have or could Could not. Okay. Um, the next person on your list is Helen Matheson. Yeah. Okay. So you go from September or October to 07. Yeah. And then Helen was 2011. Yeah. What What happened between those years? I think um, you'll see that they... Was there some attempts? Attempts. Okay. Um, In 08, 09? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we'll get to those. Yeah. Helen, I don't remember a lot about. She was very quiet, very determined. Um, just seemed to be waiting to die. Mm -hmm. Again, I had that feeling that you know this is the one. Mm -hmm. And um, I made a bit of a fuss about her that night because she was very lucid. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how much she liked blueberries pie and ice cream. Okay. So on my on my break, I went to uh, Walmart. I got a small blueberry pie and some ice cream. Mm -hmm and brought it to her, and she ate three or four bites. Yes. And then that night I overdosed her. Like I said, I had that feeling that it was her time to go. And what do you mean by that? Do you think she was towards the end of her life at that point? No, that she was the person to go to. Okay. And that was in your mind, in your stomach? In Where was that feeling? In my chest in area. Chest. And after I did it, I got that laughter. When would you feel that laughter? Would you feel it right after you injected it, or once the person passed away? Um, both. Yeah. Both. Okay. And Helen was, uh, you did hear that she wasn't a diabetic? No. Okay. Just out of curiosity, how much insulin would it take to kill someone See, that know. wasn't a diabetic? Or I don't know. You don't know that? No. So it's kind of hitting that. You didn't know that as a nurse, that this amount? Or no, there is no that amount. Okay. And I'm just, I, I, I just yeah. simply just don't know that yeah. answer. Yeah, there is no set amount. Okay. All right, so different people would react differently to different amounts, is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and would it obviously make a difference if they were diabetic or not a diabetic? Yeah. I believe she died the next day. Okay. And it said, uh, I don't know here, the doctor declared her to be a palliative. And she died two days later. Two days later, okay. And do you remember how much insulin that you had given her? Sixty? I don't know. And where would you have gotten that from? From, from the same supplies same. I always get it. Okay. Do you remember where Helen was in, in Crescent Care? Yes, she was on the south wing. And probably about four doors down from the nurse's station. In a double room on the right hand side. If you were facing the end. She was on the right hand side. Um, you don't say a lot of negative things about Helen here. Did you did you get along with her okay? Did she ever do anything she, to, to harm you or No, no, she was very quiet. It was just I got that feeling that this you know, she's next to the time to go. And uh, her health at that point, what was her diagnosis? She was, um, I couldn't tell you her diagnosis, just that she was, she didn't get out of bed a lot, and she had to be fed her food and fed her pills. 
She's near her end of the life. How old do you think Ellen was when this happened? This day about 85 or 86. And do you remember what doctor would have... Were you there when she passed away the two days later? I don't think so. You don't think so? So you won't be which, which doctor pronounced her even? No. Too sure. Once I was easy, unless I was there for the shift that died, I just kind of laid low and didn't, you know, have anything to do with them. So, so if you issued an insulin injection to somebody, Helen, for instance, do you remember where Helen was injected? Probably her arm. Okay. Um, so, do you remember if she had a reaction at all? A reaction? Mm -hmm. Did you know if she confronted you in what you were doing at all? Was she able to... She might have said, ow. Was she used to getting insulin or needles? I don't know if she was. Um, but she wasn't combative or, or mm -hmm. she didn't confront you and ask you what you were doing? No. And, and you said once once you gave them their insulin? Did you just, I just kind of, I tried to stay away from it. Sometimes I was very interested to see what was happening. Mm -hmm. I would just try to stay away from it. Okay. Would you ever go back into their rooms if while they were still alive to see kind of how they were progressing through the... If they were, if they were my, if they were my uh, charge, yes, I had to. Okay. Even though you had attempted to save their lives? Yeah. Okay. And you would, um... What kind of symptoms would they show? Is it different for everyone? Or? Um, well, usually they'd get very diaphoretic, red. Um, they could lose consciousness. They'd shake. Some people, um, one person had a seizure. I think it was just one person. Mm -hmm. Two people stroked right out. Right after receiving the... Not the right after, but they stroked out. Over time. Actually, three people, because they believe James stroked out as well. So. Mr. Silcox. Mr. Silcox, yeah. Okay. 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 Um, November 
Um, so, Um, where was that in relation to where she was? Like, where was Mary and, and Chris? She there? was down the south wing, a couple of rooms down from the, the uh, down from the nurse's office. And uh, she, yeah, so she, we did put her in the pie of bed. And would that be a decision that you would make, or someone else would have to make? Together, we made it. Okay. But a supervisor um, wouldn't yeah. have to say, okay, no. go ahead. And no, we have. We had enough autonomy that if we thought someone was um, palliative, we could call the doctor, tell them what was going on, move them, move the person to the palliative bed, and get orders for palliative care. Okay. And do you remember how much insulin you would have given Mary? I think she may have been the first person that I gave long acting and short acting to together. Okay. I think. And can you just, well, besides the actual obvious, uh, in the uh, title of the, the actual drug itself, long acting and short acting, what was the biggest difference between the two? One one drops your blood sugar right away. The other um, starts working through your body and dropping it gradually over a long period of time. It just keeps dropping it. Okay. And what would the combination of those two do together? Uh, Did you know? Much, I didn't know for sure, but I figured it would be much stronger than just the short acting.
fourth victim, yeah. uh, the fourth person that uh, well, that you were successful in uh, in these insulin injections. How did your emotions start to to feel as it um, kept continuing? I kept having a lot of guilt, a lot of guilt. Um, Mary, well, as you'll see, after Mary was Gladys, and after Gladys there was a period of two years where I didn't do it. Three years where I didn't do it. What was going on in your life at that point? I was trying very, very hard to get close to God, to make sure that this wasn't Him, and to just live my life, read the Bible, go to church, and not do that because I didn't want to do it anymore. So I tried very hard. I'm still using a little bit. The hydromorphs? Yeah. And alcohol? Yeah. What was your drink of choice? Rye. Yeah. So I shouldn't say it like that, but rye. I make it sound like it's... Yeah, rye. Would you... Rye and Bailey's. Yeah. Yeah, pop a rye and pop down some water. Yeah. Yeah, rye and water. Okay. And, uh... Typically, how much would you, would you drink in a week? In a week? Probably about eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like shots of rye or? Uh, drinks. So I don't know. Okay. I'm shot. Okay. If you're going to go buy shots, I know if there's no drinks, so like three times nine, 27. Okay. So like you'd be drinking triples? Yeah. Okay. How would that make you feel with in combination with the hydromorphs and... Uh, I never did it with the hydromorphs. No? It was no, either one or the other? It was either one or the other. Okay. The, the booze is more just for one I didn't have, mm -hmm. the hydromorphs. Mm -hmm. And if I was going out, but I didn't go out with people. I always went out mostly by myself and just... I took scratch and one tickets and took booze and... Yeah. I would drink and do my scratch one. Whatever it took for you to finally get help, that's 
waste time. Thank you. Right? I mean, you could have been in this situation and, and taken this to your grave. Yes. And who would have known? Right? That's what I was told to do by a lawyer. What's that? Take it to my grave and not tell anybody. So you've confided in a lawyer as well about this? A long time ago, yeah. Was it after all of these people? It, it was in 2014 before I... Uh, before you went to Welland? Or yes, sorry, to the, the Welland Center? Yeah, to the rehab center. So you spoke to a lawyer? I spoke to a lawyer. And that, she was the one who told me to get out. Um, I need to go to the bathroom. No problem. Mm -hmm. Just for the record, and uh, so it's documented, I have 626. Let's we'll take a break, okay? Yes, yeah, thank okay. you. Cool. November of 2011 mm -hmm. at Crescent Care. Um, it says here Gladys was a type 2 diabetic um, and had dementia. Severe dementia. Did she? Yeah. How old do you think Gladys was? Nine, 92. 92. Okay. And where was Gladys within uh, Crescent Care? East Wing, um, three doors down from the main desk in a double room. Okay. Do you remember her roommates at all? No. No. Um, and, and uh, obviously these are repetitive questions, and yeah. you might remember some of the roommates throughout uh, as we go along here, so that's why I just keep asking the same questions. Um, tell me a little bit about Gladys. What did you see? What was she like when you um, cared for her? Well, when I first started caring for her, she was walking and talking, and she had quite the spirit. Um, she, once <laughs> she once punched a man oh. because uh, she overheard the nurses telling one of the gentlemen, no, you can't push your wife around, you have to come with us. And she turned around and she said, you can't treat a woman like that. Boom! And hit the man. And hit the man. <laughs> so then we're all in a state of trying to keep them from fighting with each other and trying to keep them from hurting us. Right. Yeah, she was oh, very monkey. But she went down, downhill fast. Did she? Eventually, um, she, was, she had um, dementia didn't take her pills well, didn't eat well, very stubborn woman, and uh, as always, one evening I just got that red surging feeling that she was going to be the one, and um, gave her insulin overdose. Did you ever get that feeling outside of work? No, never. No? Did you ever get that feeling going to work, knowing that something was going to happen that shift? No, it always happened at work. So. If you were to use the phrase spur of the moment, would it be something that you would just 
have that feeling come on? Or yeah, I guess you could feel buffer in the moment, but it would it usually start happening, you know, focused on one patient, and then this, I would feel that red surging, which is what made me think it was God. Which I'm so embarrassed. Like I said, I'm not here to judge you. Right? I know. Right? I know. Um, you explained that it was difficult for towards the end giving her her pills. Um, do you remember what you were working with uh, the shift when you injected glass? I believe I was working, I was either working nights or days. Okay. Because I know it was close to the end of my shift. Okay. But I did it, and the person who came on next shift, I think it was nights. So this person who came on next shift checked her all over and started to call the doctor and had her made palliative and started her on a pain, pain regimen. And Do you remember how much insulin you gave her? No, I don't. Do you remember if it was long or short or a mix? I, I probably, at that point, I think I was giving everybody a mix. Okay, so once once Mary was the first person you said yeah. that you gave the, the long and the short acting yeah. thing, and then following that it was everyone from there yeah. forward. Um, and that was, a, again, a crescent care. Yeah. Was that insulin taken from the same location as, yeah. as you always would? Yes. Okay. Is there cameras in, in, in the bedrooms? No. no. No? Nothing at all? No. So you could access whatever you like and... Well, not whatever you like, but yeah. But the insulin, reasons, because the you insulin, said they didn't even keep track of um, it. The insulin, uh, yeah. The insulin, um, you could get volume, you could get, like, injectable volume. Um, yeah, it was fairly easy to take meds from there. Um, and we'll get in time. Sorry, I was going to ask a question about waiting a bit down the road. Um, you know how long it took for Gladys to die? I believe she died the next afternoon, or that afternoon. And do you know if you were present for that? No, I was not. So therefore, wouldn't have been a part of the the process of of the pronouncing and checking the boxes. No, no. Um, when someone's dying, it seems like it takes longer than it does. Mm-hmm. If you're around, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah. So. I'm sorry that you don't know. Thank you. As far as Gladys goes, do you remember if you worked the next day to to learn about Gladys' death? Um, I think I worked two days later. I think I worked the day after her death, whenever that was. Okay. What would play through your mind on on your days where you inject? So Gladys, for instance, you inject her. uh, You work nights, it says here, so 11 till 7. You did this at five o'clock. You go home and carry it on about if you have one, two, three days off, whatever yeah. the case was. What was going through your mind on those days off? Were you thinking when yeah. was, when's Gladys gonna die? I would wonder if she had died. I would wonder, you know, if this would be the time I would get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, what was I going? Every time, every time I walked in after somebody passed away, I always wondered if this day I'm gonna get caught. Mm-hmm. What kind of consequences play through your head? Like if you. If Damn, I'm I'm caught. The gig's up. What what kind of consequences do you think yeah. you're gonna face if if that were to happen fired. back in 2011? Fired, jail, um, no more nursing license. That's exactly what I'm looking at now. Although I took myself out instead of being fired, but right. jail and no more nursing license. As far as in 2011, though, and, and having that feeling, like, when did those feelings start to say, 
mind, like, I wonder if this is the time I'm going to get caught. Does that happen right at Mr. Soapbox? Yeah, yeah, probably every time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Gladys, do you think, uh, did she have a reaction when you injected her? She fought a little bit. Did she? Yeah. What do you mean by that? That she struggled around, so I, I found a spot on her leg that I could do where she couldn't reach me and pinch me. Would that be something difficult if you were giving her medication? She'd like yeah. to pinch. Pinch, scratch, feel up her mouth. Is that common in patients? Yeah. 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 And um, like even the, the PSWs who had to change her uh, product, mm -hmm. sometimes she'd fight them and scratch them and pinch them and twist their hair and yeah. Do you think that played into any part of your actions with Gladys? Um, particularly with Gladys. I don't know. I think some of the, the um, I think some of it did, you know, the stubbornness and stuff, and yeah, just kind of okay, you're the next one to go. But again, there was always that red surging that I identified as God telling me, this is what, yeah, this is how you work for me. Did you ever try and fight that feeling? Later on, as you'll see. Mm -hmm. But when you got that feeling in your chest and, and stomach, would you would you directly go to get the insulin? Um, pretty much. Yeah, as soon as I had time with the rest of my job. How many patients would you be caring for during, on one shift? Thirty-two. You'd be responsible for all thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two. So each nurse would have thirty-two. Yeah, nurse. Uh, our registered practical nurse, registered practical nurse. Okay. So that's a busy day. Mm-hmm. And I know we talked about it earlier, but again, just to revisit that, do, do you think that's something that played into this? I think the so. The stresses of the job? I, oh, yeah, I definitely think so. Because you have a lot going on in your life. Yeah, I definitely think the stress played into it. Maybe made, me, made my mind more susceptible to stuff. Did you ever go to work um, intoxicated by alcohol or drugs at all? Um, no. Did you ever use at work? Yeah. The Yes. Often? Probably once or twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were at Crescent Care, where would you have done your marshal? Oh, there's a number of ways you can get them. Right. You can sign off that somebody got their, sign off that somebody wanted the PRN mm -hmm. and take it instead. Okay. You can uh, take them their regular medication and if they're not able to identify it, mm -hmm. take it instead. You can take the regular medication that's in capsules, and if they are able to identify it, open the capsule, take the stuff out, put the capsule back together again, give them the empty capsule, take it yourself. And how would you typically adjust the hydromorphs? I just followed it. I never shot it. I never snorted it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And do you remember how much you gave Gladys? Of the insulin? Mm hmm I think I gave her 8060. Thanks. And her reaction after after she kind of pinched and, and struggled a little bit with you? She relaxed and then um, by the time the next nurse came on she was red, she was sweating, she was incoherent. She, her, blood saw, her vital signs were all down. And how do you know that? Because I was just leaving when the next nurse came on and she... CSWs came to her and said something's going on with Gladys, and she, she said, come with me, we have to go check on Gladys. So, yes, yeah, so I actually helped her move Gladys to the palliative care room. Okay. 
Marinette and I gored the whole time that she was going to say it was something I did. Thinking, okay. Was she still able to communicate at that point? No. Okay. Do you remember what nurse that was that you moved? Karen? I don't remember her last name. If I sit for a minute, if I sat for a minute, I could probably remember. Well, if it comes to you. Um, Might just be one of those things that pops in your head in a few moments, right? Yeah. Rutledge. Karen Rutledge? Yeah. Yep, as far as I know. Okay. This is Helen Young. So this is where you have a bit of a gap again. Yeah. 2011 to 2013 with your successful yeah. injections. But there was, and there wasn't even any attempt. No. In, no in November 2011, I came home from a uh, cruise of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. and I was feeling guilty, I was feeling damned, I was feeling confused, I, I was feeling like I just didn't want to do it anymore, I was feeling like if I could somehow connect with God strongly enough that I wouldn't do it anymore, and so I spent a lot of time reading my Bible and praying and deciding I just wasn't going to do it anymore. So, I had the odd urge to do it, but I resisted by going to church, reading my Bible, praying, and telling God I didn't believe him that he wanted me to do it anymore. What church were you going to do that one? Um, Um, so as far as fighting off that, do, would you still have that feeling, like that burning feeling? Sometimes, but I I did a lot of praying about it, and I would, I just did a lot of praying, reading my Bible, getting very involved in my, in my faith, getting very involved in my church. Right. Okay. And, you, and obviously, with what you've told us so far, that it helped, yeah. what you've documented. Yeah. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of that happened in between those times? No. Okay. No. Okay. I didn't tell anybody or anything like that. Okay. Except for the, the pastor. Sorry, what did you that do? Was, I told him after Helen Young. Okay. He was after Helen Young. I'm just going to turn this off because so he keeps vibrating. I apologize for that. That's okay. And they fart. I'll have to apologize for that. There we go. Um... So that was after Helen. Right. Okay. So Helen was uh, at Crescent Care. Where was uh, where was Helen's room? She was on A side. I had been transferred to A side, which is a new unit, like well, relatively new, 10, 10, 12 years old. I was on the first floor. I was the charge nurse for the first floor, and she was in the room closest to the nurse's station. Okay. Where, so where was the, was that like if I, for me going to um, Crescent Care, would it be closer to Fife or closer to North Ave? Okay, side or? so there's the retirement home. There's the wall that joins the retirement home. 
to the uh, to the nursing home. There's North Point. There's South Point. There's East Point. And then down at the end of the hallway of East Point is uh, Unit 1 and Unit 2 in the building right on top of each other. And what was the purpose of that area of, of present care? Oh, it was it was all single rooms. Okay. Yeah. So Helen was in her own room? Helen was in her own room, yeah. It was all single rooms, that area. All right. Um, and Helen was a type 2 diabetic with dementia? Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about Helen. Uh, Helen was miserable. She frequently yelled out, help me nurse. She frequently yelled out she wanted to die. She just was not happy with her life. She was real. Wheel around in her wheelchair saying, help me nurse, help me nurse, help me nurse, help me nurse. And when you went to help her, what do you want help with? Nothing. Get away with me. Go away. Help me nurse, help me nurse. Didn't want to eat, didn't want to drink. Very difficult to deal with. Um, constantly would yell out. And or we'd say, what do you want help with? I want to die. Why can't you help me die? I want to die. And one night, it was like something snapped inside. And that red surge came back and I thought, okay. You will die. So uh, I gave her a shot. I came up to her and said, this is for your pain. And I gave her a shot of long acting or short acting. And she started to settle down. And then um, later on, we put in, her in the bed and I gave her more off, more of the uh, insulin. I think it was long acting. She had a seizure. She turned red. She um, was diaphoretic. The PSWs called me to the bedside. Um, I took all of her vital signs and I pretended to take a blood sugar. Because and said, oh, it's normal. Don't worry about it. How did you go about that with people beside you? They're PSWs. <laughs> don't, no, don't let anybody no see that part the of PSWs? the... No, but what I mean is, what I mean by that is PSWs, nurses, have, nurses focus on the meds right. and treatment. PSWs focus on, like, they were busy. They were busy washing her. They were busy changing her. They were busy dealing with the fact that she was having diarrhea. They were not doing the part of the job I was doing. So they never would have noticed. Where's my burger? So they never would have noticed um, me not taking the blood sugar. Because I took her, like, I did her pulse. I did everything else. So... They wouldn't have noticed that I didn't do that because they were busy with everything else. Okay. Okay. And you just, and just said, oh, blood sugar's good, 5.6, she's good. Was it a, a number that in your mind you knew was average and nothing concerning the 5.6 yeah. or whatever you said? Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, do you remember what shift you were working at this point? Afternoons. I was straight through to 11, but at that point I was straight through to 11 on, on that ward. That it started a little bit before that. Yeah. Okay. And that would have been an individual room, as you said? Yes. Okay. And do you remember when um, Mrs. Young died? Uh, one to two days afterwards. Okay. Do you, do you know if you were present for that? No, it wasn't. Was there a different procedure at all when people passed away in that in that wing opposed to where you were? No, it was all the same nursing home. It was all the same policies. Okay. It was just that that nursing home was, that wing of the nursing home 
was built to accommodate the fact that um, the owner took over in our villa okay. in Norwich. Okay. So everybody from our villa got moved to the new part of the nursing home. So that's the only reason. And then eventually they all got mixed together. Right. Okay. So being that it had been a few years then, um, when you injected uh, Mrs. Young and you were successful in, in causing her death, how did it make you feel after those few years that these urges and these feelings had come back? I felt horrible. I felt angry at myself. I felt like I had failed myself. I felt like God had failed me. Did you continue to practice in the church? I continued going to church, yes. Did you believe in it as much as Um, I did, but I was getting very confused. So it was soon after that that I went to the pastor and told him what had happened. And uh, he prayed over me, because he said that was the last thing he would have thought of of me. And his wife was there too, and they prayed over me. And they said to me, Now, this is God's grace. But if, if you ever do this again, we will have to turn you into the police. And where were these come? Where was that conversation taking place? In, no, in their house at their kitchen table. And I kept going to their church. And did, how detailed did you with the conversation? Oh, I had told I told him that I was taking people's lives by giving them informal addresses. What were you specific with names? How much information no. when you were doing this? No. How many people? I don't know if I told him how many people did, but I was doing it. I wanted to stop. And his response was to pray for you and pray over you. Yes, put put his hands on me and have to put his hands on me and pray. What uh, what religion did that church practice? Before, before she died, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How old was she? I'm saying in the late 50s, early 60s. The niece? The niece, yeah. Helen or something? 90. Right. So did you speak to her following Helen's death, her niece? What? I think it was a day or two after when she was gathering her stuff, and she cried on my shoulder and thanked me for being a good nurse. Oh, guilt, shame, anger, like I had betrayed her. And not that I was betrayed, but betrayal, but I betrayed her. And did you display any emotion at that point to her? Um, I just, you know, gave her a hug back and said I was so sorry. But at that point, I was getting very confused about was this God and was it not. And when you resumed doing this, did you have any, besides the religious feelings that you were having, did you have any other uh, personal um, feelings in your mind as, as far as knowing the difference between right and wrong again? Yes, yes, I knew the difference between right and wrong. But I thought this was something that God or whoever wanted me to do it. And so starting at that point to doubt that it was God. When you resumed doing it? Yeah.
was anyone working with you on that day that you can recall? Um, the PSWs, but I don't mm -hmm. remember the names. Okay. How many would have there been? Three. Okay. There would have been students, too, I think, but I can't remember. And there would have been 32 patients in that wing as well? Yes. That you're responsible for? Um, March of 2014, this is Marine Victory and Crescent Care. Yes. Tell me about Marine. Mm. Marine was a handful. Um, she would attack other patients, she would pull their hair, she would hit them, she would pinch them. Eventually, um, it was decided that she needed a one-on-one -on -one staff. So sometimes they would book an extra PSW to be with her. Sometimes someone will come from the outside to be with her. But when one more wasn't available, it was the role of the charge nurse. And that was nuts. Sorry. That's just absolutely nuts. So um, she just got harder and harder to look after. And one night when I had had to look after her, I got this idea. I thought, you know, I started getting the feeling of that surge again. I thought, no, I don't want her to die. But if I could somehow give her enough of a dose to give her a coma or something to change her brain waves, maybe make her less, you know, maybe make her less mobile, hard to handle, less handle, hard to handle. So, uh, yeah, if I overdosed her. And was that in the same wing? Yes. She was right across. She had gone into the room that um, Helen had been in. Yeah, she was right across from the nurse's station. And as well, obviously, a single room at that point. Yeah. That um, night, she stroked. She had a severe stroke. She went to the hospital. And when she came back, she was there, for a few, there at the nursing home for a few days, and she died. But before she came back from the hospital, I was fired from Crescent Care for medication errors that had nothing to do with this. When you went, when you got transferred into this A wing, did you still get the medication the same way? The insulin the same way? Yeah, because there's insulin purchase there. Okay. okay. And so, sorry, Marine, uh, Mrs. Pickering was transferred from Crest Care to the hospital. And then and back, back to Crest Care. Yeah. How what was the time frame there? Do you remember? Two days, I think. But they knew that she was totally vegetative when she came back. Okay. So she was basically she was coming back to pass away yeah. at her center. Yeah. Was she put in palliative care when she returned? No, because she had her own room. Okay. The palliative care room was for people who didn't have their own room. Right. So that families could go and be with them. Okay. And not, you know, not disturb the other residents and not be disturbed by the other residents. Right. Do you remember how much insulin that you gave? It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I'm going to say 80 long acting and 60 short acting, something like that. That was a lot of insulin. Why so much to her? Wasn't sure if she would die or not. And I really wanted to make sure that she, uh, their mind would change a bit before she came after. So the insulin caused her. A stroke. A stroke and then the, the reason to travel to the hospital. Yeah. Um, do 
you remember any reaction from her when you were injecting her? No, none at all. Do you remember what type of the Sorry, I apologize. What part of the body that you injected? Her. Left, right? Um. Left. Left up. And no reaction to. Um. Oh yeah, the first time I gave it to her, she said, "Hey, what was that for?" And I said, "That's your that's your vitamin injection." Which is a like that you would typically tell people. Yeah. Okay. How long in between when you gave her the next dose? Probably an hour and a half, two hours. And that was about what time did you say, sorry? Oh, I don't know. You were still working in the afternoon, right? Yeah, eight or nine at night. Yes, that's here at, at 8 o'clock. You gave her 80 units for a nap in that time. Yeah. Did uh, Miss Pickering, do you recall any family that she had? She had two friends that came and saw her a lot. She had a boyfriend that would come and see her. Okay. How old was she? 82. How old was her boyfriend? Oh, I have no idea. No? No. But he would call her to a visit. Uh, he would come and visit, yeah. Was there any restrictions on visiting practices at all, certain hours? Um, basically, no. If they wanted to come late at night, they had to let us know. Okay. So we could let them in and out. Okay. Some, and that was more for pious people. Right. But no, there was no real restrictions. I mean, there was the odd patient who had a restriction, like they can't leave the building with this person, or they can't leave the building with that person, or... So-and-so shows up, call the police, that person. Do you, do you remember if you were present when she passed away? I was not. I'd already been fired. Okay, so sorry, between the time that she... When were you fired? Um, late March, early April. Was it when she was at the hospital? Or did she come back and then... She had come back and then I was fired. And then she... But lived for a few more days, yeah. you were fired in the meantime, yeah. and she passed. for something that had nothing to do with her. And my timeline may be wrong. Mm -hmm. It may have been February, mm -hmm. because I know that, I know by the middle of April I was working again at um, Meadow Park and just going home. Yeah. What was the, the cause of your... You're firing them, sorry, there was a medication error. I had had a few medication errors, and strangely enough, not on purpose, one of our residents was missing her long acting insulin that she got at supper. Okay. And it was coming from pharmacy, but I wanted to make sure she got her insulin. Mm -hmm. So I took insulin from another person who I thought was the same insulin, but it was short acting. Mm -hmm. And it gave her a seizure because she wasn't used to it. And she was she was okay. We we helped her, and she was all right. But when they figured it out, I was fired because I had had other medication errors as well. No, no, different things. Eye drops. Ah, a lot of different stuff. And what do you think that was the result of? What med med air? Mm -hmm. The workload. Yeah. Was it anything to do with? Were you still using it at this point? Um, you know what? I never made a I never made a work trip. I never made a medic when I was using it at work. Never. Just had your focus. Yeah.
Did you ever commit any of these deaths in the region? No. So no med errors, no deaths. When I was eating. Your eating was all the feeling in your chest and your stomach and yeah. your sore. Yeah, searching and the, yeah. And then the laughter afterwards, which was really, it was like a cackling from the pit of hell, if that makes sense. Did the cackling continue um, when Mrs. Young was injected with insulin? Um, after, after that two-year break? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. It, it, same, same cackling. Same cackling. Same feeling, same cackling. So then you, did you work anywhere between Crescent Care and Meadow Park? No. Okay. Did you go directly from one to the other? Pretty much, within a month. And, and would those medication errors be documented in a reference letter or no. were you made aware of anything like that? The Meadow Park uh, would be aware of the reason why you were um, I told the person that hired me at Meadow Park, she told me she had found my resume somewhere okay. but I never applied to Meadow Park. Oh, really? But she found my resume somewhere, and she called me because they needed a nurse. Oh, okay. So when we did our interview, her name was Heather, I forget y'all's name. She's not there anymore. Um, when we did our interview, she said to me, why did you leave? And I told her, I said, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I was fired from Medhairs. And she said, well, tell me about them, and I did. And she said, okay, well, I believe in second chances, so you're hired full-time afternoons, and it was a one-year contract. Okay. And how how long were you unemployed for then? A month. Just a month? Yeah. Okay. And would you commute back and forth, and did you still live in Woodstock at the time? I still live in Woodstock, and I commuted back and forth. For straight afternoons? Yeah. What was that? What were the hours for the straight afternoons? Uh, either 6.30, no, sorry, either 2.30 to 10.30 or 3 to 11. Okay. I'm not sure which it was. So when you got to Meadow Park, what was the difference as far as the workflow of the patients that you're responsible for? No difference. <laughs> it was extremely similar. The only difference was that the um, RPNs would do the, um, if there were dressings that had to be done at night, mm -hmm. they'd do the dressings on the people at night that were my people. Okay. But other, other than that, yeah. And. Um, your supervisor at that point at Meadow Park, was that the same person that hired you, Heather? Or? Yeah. Okay. She was the nursing supervisor. Okay, so she'd be her direct supervisor. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, pad or Art or Rap? Yes. Tell me a little bit about Um, He was mean. He would grab the nurses and these and CSWs, whenever they were trying to do things for me, he would grab them, he would twist their arms, he would punch them. Very difficult to do uh, care for. And uh, one night I just got that surgery and I thought that you need to go. Had he done something that night? No, not really, just been his normal self. And he fought, he fought the first needle. And then um, this second needle I got in. And I forgot something about Maureen. I had given her um, a dose of whatever we dosed her with to calm her down before I ever gave her the insulin. Forgot about that. So I had done that. So Is that in there? About Maureen? Yeah.
I had given her a sedative just before I ever gave her the insulin. Other family members that you could. There are other family members involved, but I don't recall. Okay. 
did you ever have any interaction with his family? I mean, you said they were devastated. When did you learn of that? How did you Well, know they that? came in to take stuff out of his room. Following his death? Well, he was still in the hospital. They okay. came in to take some stuff, and then when he was gone, they came in to take the rest. Okay. How did you feel having a conversation with him? Awful. Um, again, like I betrayed them.
and we'll get to that. Um, Do you have a stamp that you can stamp it as the original? Um, I don't even think we'll need to do that. We'll have you sign okay. a, a consent form, and, but we'll, we'll okay. get to that. Okay. Um, if, only if you're willing, of course. Um, you have a portion on the fourth page here and it's titled People Who Didn't Die. Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about? Okay, it's Clotilde Adriano. She was the first person I ever gave extra insulin to. Okay. I think I gave her 40, and I just, again, there was that searching, but it wasn't so much that I wanted her to die. It was more, let's see what happens. And I I did that to her on more than one occasion. Okay. Uh, Albino was... Sorry, she was prior to Mr. Silcox, right? Yes. So this was the very first person you injected with insulin? Yes. Okay. And we're at Crescent Care? At Crescent Care. And... Her room was where? Her room was in the east wing, second door on the left. Then east wing, first door on the left was her sister Alvina. She was diabetic. Okay. Um, she was October 2007. Sorry, that was her sister? Patella and Alvina were sisters, yes. Oh, okay. Um, then there was Wayne. He was on the north wing. He was he had dementia. He was diabetic. Um, he could be uncooperative. And uh, I gave him a large overdose um, because I thought it was his turn to go. That was Wayne? That was Wayne. And mm-hmm. sorry, how old was, sorry, and I hate to go back, but I just had a few more questions. How old was Cotilda? Cotilda was 90 or so. Okay, and her sister? Alvina was probably 80, 82. And did they have family that would come and visit? Yes, yes. Very much so. Who would that be that would come to visit? Matilda, I think it was her daughters, and Alvina was her husband. Okay. And long acting, short acting? Short acting at that point. You know, so that you're still doing short acting. Okay. And do you remember the dose that oh, they would have given? Wait a second. What would they get at night? It was long acting, so it was what they got at night. With those two, it was their own insulin, just extra dose. So okay. probably 20 to 30 to 40. 30 to 40. Extra. And then Wayne, how old was Wayne, sorry? I'd say 60. Okay, oh, so he was younger. He, yeah, he had developmentally, developmental challenges, as well as dementia, as well as being diabetic, um, as well as being handful. Um, and uh, he wanted to die. So, again, that one night I just felt that surging, and, but uh-huh. he didn't die. I think How would you know he wanted to die? He would say it sometimes. That he just wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Where was Wayne in the present? He was in room 8, which is the men's floor down at the end. So 8 or a, eight, a eight, number? 8 north. 8 north. Right. And would that be a roommate in there as well? Yes. Do you know who he was roomed with? Uh, no. No. And Mike with Huntington's disease? That was 2009. What, what is that disease? It robs you of your body and you still have your mind. You get progressively more agitated, you get progressively more um, psychotic, and you're in a wheelchair and you've got all these movements that you can't control. It's a horrible disease. And how old was Mike? He was 54. And uh, again, one night I just felt that searching and I thought, now, this must be God because this man is not enjoying his life at all. So, 
I gave him a large amount of insulin. I think I gave him 90 total. Did he ever do anything to harm you? No, never. Did Wayne? No. Albina? No. Cotillo? No. Um, this takes us to a different location in Telford Place in Paris. That's obviously Paris, Ontario, correct? Yeah. Outside of the Brantford Woodstock area? 2016 winter. Okay, and that was Sandra? Yeah, How I old was, was Sandra? Sandra, I think she was in her 70s. Okay. And Telford Place, what, what was the breakup of the rooms there? Where was she located? Um, she, was, she was down the wing straight down from the um, nurse's desk about two doors on the left. Okay. And she had three roommates. Okay. And she described her a little bit of personality in her health? Um, tall, um, not very well. She didn't walk anymore. She had a good sense of humor. Um, she often said she didn't want to be there. And so one night I gave her an overdose. But she survived because the nurse that came on next um, went to check on her to do something else and noticed that she was sweaty and took her blood sugar and saved her life. Okay. And how did these other people survive? Um, it just didn't... Oh, Clotilda and Albina, they found them to have short blood sugar. They found them to have low blood sugar, and they gave them stuff to raise it. And Wayne and Mike, they just survived. It was never found out. Was there anything to do with the gender, male or female, that this influenced the effect of it? Or was it just, again, just dependent on the makeup yeah. of their body and their health? And yeah, not that I know of this has anything to do with gender. Um, the nurse who saved Sandra. Yeah. Was there anything that ever came back on you? No. Any retribution consequences? No. She never figured it out that I know of. She even asked me about it and asked if I thought she'd done the right thing. Who was that? Do you remember her name? Diane. I don't remember her last name. And what, what were you working at that point? What's just where you were working at Telford Place? Whatever I got called in for. I was actually working for a nursing agency at that time called Lifeguard Agency, and I was sent to Telford as a lifeguard. I see. So you were never employed by Telford Place? No. no I was employed by Lifeguard, and I would go to Telford and to other places as well. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's when you got involved with St. Elizabeth as well, right? You were with Lifeguard? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I was only with St. Elizabeth like a month and a half before I quit. 2016 of August, which is not too long ago, um, you're employed with St. Elizabeth, it says here. Yeah, I was frustrated with my job. I had a huge, um, huge workload, having to learn a lot of new things, just a lot of frustration. Um, the weekend that this happened, there I had all, all of the people that I had to look after. Most of them were in Ingersoll. I didn't know any of them. And uh, on the Saturday, I went in and I was doing my care. And uh, this is really the only one that was pre-planned, because on Saturday, I went in and I was doing care on Beverly. I noticed that she had a pick line, which is the line that takes medication straight to your heart. Mm -hmm. 
and that she was a diabetic. And so the next day when I went in, I was really frustrated, and I could just really feel the surging and the laughing, and I I gave her a huge amount. I gave her, I think it was 180, three, three doses of 60 through the PICC line. Did she question that at all? No, because I used one to rinse the pick line, one to put into her eye antibiotics, and one to rinse the pick line again. And uh, she survived. She was fine the next day. Did you go see that next day? No, but I was able to check it on my computer because she was seen every day by a nurse. Okay. So I could go into the tablet from work and see how she was. Okay. And that was just a computer program used by St. Elizabeth? Yes. I see. Okay. On their own tablet. Okay. And these other people, where did you inject them? Oh, uh, there are. All of them? All of them, yeah. Sandy was probably her leg, but she was a little bit more difficult. In August of, of 2016, then, with Beverly, you don't remember Beverly's last name? No, I don't. I don't even remember if her first name was Beverly. Oh, okay. I could probably, oh, I don't know if I could tell you the weekend it was or not. But she lived in Ingersoll? Yes. Did she live in a home or? Uh, yeah, in a home. Like, like a her home. own residence, I mean, or? Do you remember where you saw it was? No, I don't. No. Um, how can you have a name Beverly, but you're not sure what her name is? Because I'm not sure if it was Bev or B or... I gotcha. Okay. Okay. And that was the only one you had given through the pipeline? Yes. Did you know what the result would be compared to a direct injection into an arm or a leg or a thigh? I'd never done it line? before. I'd never looked at it. I had no idea. She went, she went to sleep fairly quickly, and I left, but when I checked uh, the next day to see how she was through the next nurse, there was no change. How old was she? She was 63, 64. And what was her diagnosis as far as her health? She was diabetic, and she had large ulcers on her legs. And she also had a um, severe infection. How does that make you feel going through all that? Awful. Do you feel like there's a burden left off your shoulders? Yes, I've done the right thing. Do you feel there's a sense of relief? Yes, and now I know that it wasn't God, and I'm ashamed of myself that that happened, but I also think that it was mental health. You know, I think it was if I was in my, in my right mind. Or I would have been able to tell him. I mean, who... I was raised to believe in God. I was raised from a baby to go to, to Sunday school. So how could I get such a strong feeling that this is what God wanted unless it was something wrong in my head? I know we've talked about what you would say to the families and, and so on and so forth, but um, again, I, I, I feel terrible for the for the people that are going to find out in the days and, and weeks to come about what actually happened to their loved ones, right? I did. Um, I feel horrible. Um, if there was ever anything I could do so that nobody did this again, I'd do it.
few other things to cover off then. Okay. Um, the things that some of these people would do to you, the hitting, the pinching, the grabbing of your breasts, would you ever report that? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was always reported in the charges on. And that's just documented on their charts? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And was there any, there's obviously never, not obviously, but was there ever any charges or criminal matters that came up any of this no, at all? No, no. That's part of working in the nursing home. That's just what they do. Might even be your fault, dear. Yeah, you said that. Mrs. Conway. Yeah. Do you think that might have played a role in, in your actions? No. Um, Maureen, your ex. What was Maureen last When the last time you talked to her? I think about, what, four years ago when she wanted money to move back? Oh. We were only together for a year. Okay. So she came here from... Yeah, and brought her two kids. Okay. The teenage kids? Yeah. I think you mentioned here in Toronto, Stephen. Yeah, we got involved with CES with them. Mm -hmm. When they were here? Mm hmm. Have you. This document that you prepared, Beth, and I know that you had stated the reason why. I guess we call it the breaking point of why you stopped. Yeah. Was the possibility that you were going to have to be dealing with kids. Yes, that's right. Right? Yes. Is there anyone else within your career path that isn't listed on these four documents, or these four pieces of paper, that you'd be responsible for their deaths? No, absolutely not. And if we were to tell you that we've come across some fairly significant or suspicious Death at other nursing homes. Where I've been? Right. What would you say to that? I'd say it wasn't me. So there's no one else involved? No. Um, that was fell victim to your actions? No. Um, just, just repeat to me again the people that you've disclosed this to besides myself tonight. Okay. Um, the very first person I ever disclosed it to was um, another girlfriend at the time. Her name was that was after I killed a couple of people and uh, she told me not to do it again or she was going to turn me into the police. Um, that, oh, I couldn't tell you. 2008, I think. Um, and then uh, 2011, when I decided to stop killing, my friend I told her what I'd been doing and that I had stopped. And then um, I told my pastor. And then after that, I told the, in 2014, um, after I passed away, I uh, went on a holiday. And uh, that's when I really decided that this had to stop. And so um, I told um, a friend and he lives in BC. Um, then, uh, I told, when I came back, I got advice from a lawyer. And then, while I was in 
to Toronto. It was in CAMH. Well, I told my friend before everyone. I've told my cousin. I told my friend, and I told my friend. And then while I was in CAMH, I told um, someone who I thought was a friend. They turned around and called the police to make sure that it had really been dealt with. And I understand that he thought he was doing the right thing. I understand that, but he had said, oh, I won't tell anybody. And I was using him as a resource for support, and he turned around. And when I was, when I had already, you know, I'd already shared it, so why would he call the police? So why do you think that none of these people confronted police? Maybe they didn't believe me. I don't know. Maybe they just thought, maybe they thought I was doing more something than the patient wanted done. You know? And as far as believing you are these close people to you that you've shared other deep dark secrets with maybe over time? That I would say deep dark secrets with lots of stuff, yeah. Because this is a pretty serious thing. Yes, it is. It's right. horrible. I'm telling you. It's the worst thing. Telling these people, I just find it hard to believe that no one would come forward until just five, six people down the road, right? Yeah. Of, of having knowledge of it. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And everything that you're telling us is the truth. Yes, it is. There's yes, nothing that's been fabricated. No, sir. No. And you're sure about that? I know so. What would we find in your home? Did you ever document any of this? Um, once in a while, I jol I journaled on it. There, it might, there might be some in my home, but I don't know. Where I think be? I threw it out. If it's around, it would be in like a spiral binder in um, either my desk, my other desk, or my uh, full, my, um, whatchamacallit. Come on. You put file, file folders in there. Is file cabinet? Yes, file cabinet, thank you. Cool. Yeah. And that's, do you live uh, alone? Yes, I do. Yes. Did you want someone to come with me or not? Well, to be honest with you, as part of the investigation, there's already been a search warrant executed at your house. Oh, so the search is already, there's already been a search warrant? I don't know what house? stage it's at because we've been conversing for quite some time. Okay. It's probably close to being completed. Okay. But I'm just asking, because you've been so cooperative, Yeah. and, and again, I do appreciate that. Yeah. I really do. Um, it just makes things a lot easier, right? Um, advising us where certain things might be and you said you might have thrown them out. Yeah. You might not have. I might not have kept them. And then at the very end of my coffee table there's a box and it's got pictures and uh, a photo album in it. There might be something in there too. What would it be? A, a Trey Q um, writing pad. Okay. What types of things, what types of things would you document? Just what I had done, how bad I felt, when it happened. Just trying to figure out what was going on in my head. Mm -hmm. yeah. Searching for answers. Yeah. But you're not sure if you rid of those or not yet? I thought I got rid of them all, but I don't know if I did for sure. Okay. Would there be anything else as far as computer documents or anything like that? Um, there would be... I accessed a uh, computer support group for borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. It would be on that. It would be on that website. Oh, it's just an open forum that you could join. And, yes. And 
people's comments and yeah. what website was that? I couldn't tell you, but I could find it on my computer. Okay. And would that be something that you'd be willing to share with us? Of course. Give us a good time to yeah. look at those documents and computer websites and whatnot? Yeah. What's your tattoo mean? Hopes and dreams. Does that mean blue? Uh, that I have hopes for the future and dreams of the future. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future now? After speaking over the last few hours? That somehow, some way, I can help somebody. There's got to be somebody wherever I go to jail, penitentiary. There's got to be somebody I can help. Maybe somebody who can't read. Maybe somebody who can't write. Maybe somebody who's done worse than me and feels like it'll never be forgiven. Maybe somebody who's done less than me and feels like it'll never be forgiven. There's got to be something that can come from this. Maybe somebody can study me and come up with answers and new medications so this doesn't happen again. That's my hopes and dreams now. Is there anything worse than taking someone else's life? Uh, yes. Child child molestation. Absolutely. Did you feel that you might harm the children and yourself if you were to work with them? I was afraid that that I might get that feeling of wanting to give them insulin or doses, especially since they were diabetic. And I just, I panicked. There was no way. I was absolutely not open to that. Is there anyone else that you can think of right now? No. No. I think I did pretty good. I think you did. What happens now? I'm just going to get you to sit tight. Uh, to uh, see what the next steps are. Oh, okay. I might not be going home then. I will get back to you with that. Okay. Um, we discussed your um, original document that's in your backpack. Yeah. If I were to prepare a form, which is a consent to search or a consent form, to provide us with those documents, would that be something that you'd be willing to sign? Yeah, sure. Okay. There's some stuff in there too that I did with the nurse. In your backpack? Yeah. Okay. What kind of things are those? Like, it's called a chain link thing, so you start at what you did and you go backwards to how you're feeling, what you could have done different and all that. Okay. Do you feel that your time at can be trusted? Yes, very much so. You received the care that you thought you needed? Yeah, and, was, and an increase in medication, which I feel I needed. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, for a few moments, okay. and I'll uh, be back to see shortly, okay? Again, on my uh, phone, I've got 739. Okay. And uh, let me get back to it, uh, some answers, and okay. we're going from here, okay? I'd like to go home. Okay. We'll sit tight and we'll, we'll see what's going on. Yeah, I have to wear an bracelet. I'd like to go home. Okay. All right. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Can someone cut these off with me now? Yeah, we'll get something to get those off right now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'm sorry, Beth. That's okay. You can imagine that. Uh, Things of this nature take some time. Yeah, and I, I understand. And I appreciate your patience with me. I understand. Thank you. So, I have 802. I just have, we're in the home stretch here. 
Okay. Okay, and I can explain to you everything that's going to go on. Okay. 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 Fair enough. Okay. 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 So, um, first off, a few things that, and uh, you remember the gentleman who transported us back from Toronto, and uh, also Karen, her, yeah. my partners, that they've just been monitoring and right, right. notes and things like that. They're just some things that are, are concerning and that we just need to firm up. Okay. Okay. So first off, as I said, there, there has been a search warrant executed at the residence. Okay. And there was some paperwork with regards to a Remington gun shotgun of some sort. Oh. But what would that be for? Just look at it. I like guns. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you have any at all? No. No. I used to. Did you? What did I you have? I had a uh, twenty-two. Yeah. Was that um, a Remington by chance? Not that I know of. Okay. But um, my my husband had a gun that his dad gave me okay. that we would shoot with, so I could stay at the at the um, so I could stay at the at the uh, gun club and shoot. Mm -hmm. And when we um, broke up, I did the paperwork to give it back to him. That might be okay. what they found. Okay. Right. Well, I don't have a gun. There's no firearms in your house right now. No sir. Okay. No, never will be. Okay. All right. Um, the username, like what would your username be on that blog that you would uh, write on the uh, court group? I, you know what? I'd have to go and look. Yeah? Honestly. It's not like your name and a couple numbers or no. nickname, anything like that? No, I'd have to be sitting down in front of the computer to remember it. Okay. And even to find the support group. Um, these are a bunch of random questions, it's all thrown together here. Um, the insulin they used, the short acting, the long acting, was there an actual brand or a, a make of the insulin that you um, used? Might have been Novulin. Okay. Might have been Lenovo. Um, can't remember the other one. Okay. Um, when you worked with Lifeguard, yeah. Um, I know that you had mentioned they'd send you to certain locations in certain homes. Yeah. What What were those? There was tougher places, and there was two mm -hmm. others. One of them well, there was, over. There was more than. There was tougher place. Yeah. Um, that was the very first. Then there was um. Oh, yeah. Then the last year. Tougher place. Fort Dover, Dover Cliff. Mm -hmm. What it was called. Um, I did uh, one PSW shift at a place in New Hamburg, but I couldn't tell you the name of it. Um, also, I worked at um, uh, Tougher Place and Dovercliff are both owned by the same people, and they have another nursing home in Brantford, um, but I can't remember the name of it. And then Park Lane Terrace in, in uh, Paris, and Hardy Terrace, I think it's outside of Paris. Oh, and um, what was the other one called? Um, oh, Lord. It's way far out of town. It's like an hour and a half drive from here. My dad grew up in that area. Um, like, it's in the Jarvis area, Jarvis Simcoe area. It's all... 
didn't tell you. I have to remember and show up for the night. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Is my health going to be a mess when I get back? She was a friend from the nursing home.
so they have access to me. Okay. What type of support do you think you're going to get from there? Eventually, all the support I need. Okay. I also plan to go to my AA groups. I had planned on doing 90 meetings in 90 days and uh, just keep up with, like I plan to do, uh, see one of the things that happens with me is I isolate and then I start to not do well, so I plan to you know, do the Thanksgiving thing, keep up with my friends, clean, clean my apartment, tell my parents. Those are my plans. I have no plans to leave town. This is, I've done this and I'm ready to face it, but I would love to go home for a night. I think that's gonna happen. Bless you. Okay. I think that's going to happen. As I said at the very, very beginning of this, whatever time we started ago, hours ago, um, you're not under arrest right now. Okay. Okay, but as you can imagine, okay. Call you back in 30 minutes.
and uh, and uh, agree not to yeah. do certain things, not to have certain things in their possession. And right. I, and I'm saying I'm not saying that's going to happen right now okay. because it has to go in front of a judge. Oh, okay. Okay, so it, it's just an option that we're looking at because, as I said, we have the responsibility to protect the public. Yes, absolutely. Okay? That's why I want to know what your plans are. Yes. I want to um, know that you're going to go home and be supported by your family. Yes. I want to know that you're Cell phone will be charged at all times, always on my body if you need me. I will be here any, if you need me to come here, I'll be here. If you need me to wait for you to come and get me, I'll do it. I'll totally committed. I think we have your, do we have your cell phone number? 